I mean, I think a lot of these bands um, catch on to a lot of the cliches that are going on in heavy metal today. We try and, and shy away from as many of them as we can while still doing the sort, I mean, in heavy metal, everything's already been done before, but we're trying to avoid as many of the cliches as we can. And I think some of the under, other speed metal bands and sort of underground thrash metal bands are just taking in all these cliches and it gets so unexciting or interesting. Plus, I think also from a musical standpoint, we have a bit more to offer, just from the point of view that we try and put as much into the music as we can in terms of of the song arrangings and song writings and tempo changes and stuff like that. And I think we're also maybe a little bit more serious musicians than most of these other bands. So sort of all of that thrown in together, there was Metallica. <laughs> And welcome to No Filler, the music podcast dedicated to sharing the often overlooked hidden gems that fill the space between the singles on our favorite records. My name is Travis. Got my brother Quentin here with me, as always. And that was the voice of Mr. Lars Ulrich in an interview, an MTV interview clip in 1985. He was talking about um, what makes Metallica different than some of the other thrash metal bands that were coming out around around that time. And um, I think this record in particular that we're talking about, which is Ride the Lightning, is when you really start to see that, that shift that makes them so uh, unique. So Q, we've finally arrived at the Metallica episode, an episode that was, you know, destined to happen since, since the inception of this podcast. Yeah, there's a handful of artists that like before we even started recording and like before we even like right when we had this idea to do this podcast, we were like, all right, we're definitely going to be covering these guys. At some point, we got to cover this album, you know, Metallica is for sure one of those bands. Yeah. Well, the the funny thing is like forever I've, I've had Injustice for All as the album that we're going to talk about. And for whatever reason, the last few weeks, I was like, you know, what? let's talk about Ride the Lightning. We'll talk about Injustice later. Um, but what I like about Ride the Lightning in particular, if you're familiar with Kill 'em All, their first album, it's like super, like, it's essentially like thrash metal being defined, you know? Like, they're really one of the first bands to to come out of the thrash metal, like, underground scene. Like, they help define the genre. And it's super fast and, and thrashy and, like, a little bit of, you know, punk rock mixed in there and whatnot. And then Ride the Lightning is when they started doing the things that Metallica has always done, which is like innovate and like, you know, that's kind of what Lars was saying in that interview clip there, stray away from like the cliches and stuff of, of metal. That's what they've always tried to do. Okay. I just want to ask you a few questions real quick. You, you mentioned thrash metal. You used the word thrashy to describe it like it you know the the guitars are a bit thrashy are you all you're saying really is it's like really fast super metal, fast right yeah. that's that's what thrash metal that's what is, it is. Okay. that's essentially what it is like if you want to boil it down i mean that's what it is basically what what thrash metal was doing it uh, was taking like the uh the european style heavy metal influence and blending it with some punk rock from the 80s to, to make the faster, that faster metal sound. What are some European metal bands that, that you could name off as, as influences for these guys? For thrash like Motorhead, metal? bands like, you know, Iron Maiden, Def Leppard. See, that's the thing. I just didn't know the origin, you know, I didn't know those were European bands. So, okay. All right. So anyway, um, cool. like I said on the last episode, I don't want to get bogged down in like the history and like the details and like the facts and stuff of Metallica. Because I've, it's Metallica. If you're, you know, yeah. if you're a Metallica fan and you're listening to this episode, you're not going to learn anything new from me, right? That's not what this episode is about. Like, we're going to just listen to the tunes and I'm going to talk about why I love Metallica so much, basically. If you want to learn it and dive into Metallica, uh, you know, for starters, you could go and listen to to uh, Martin Popoff's podcast episode that he did a couple weeks back that we had mentioned uh, earlier where he dove into 
five Metallica songs and like the history of their production. That was the um, history in five songs. So that's um, another another podcast on on our network, Pantheon Podcast. Um, but my point my point being is like there's plenty of other places where you can get deep deep dives into Metallica's history and what you know Metallica's uh, you know techniques and all that stuff. Like this episode is just about playing the songs and 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 talking about the songs. That's it. Well, let's just let's just put it this way. You know, if it's a somewhat or fairly popular band and we're doing an episode on it, we're not going to dive into the history. You know, we'll 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 cover we'll get into that stuff with more obscure bands, you know. But that's we're we're not that that's that's not the purpose of of this podcast, yeah, but but like Travis was saying, I guarantee you if you go to the to the main like Pantheon podcast feed, and you know, search Metallica or search any other like more mainstream band that we might cover on No Filler. Guarantee you, you will find a, at least a handful of episodes that that dive a little bit deeper into these bands in the in the network. So, right. we're more about sharing the tunes and talking about why we love them. That's it. And you know what tunes we're sharing? The ones that aren't singles. The ones. Well, I'm going to make an exception today, though. Q. But we'll talk about that in a second. What? So, um, no, I know. That's fine. So again, so we're talking about Ride the Lightning today, uh, and this is their second album. Uh, Kill Em All came out first. And uh, before we start playing tunes from this record, I wanted to play just one one clip, one tiny clip from um, their first album, Kill Em All, because number one, it's one of my favorite like Metallica intros like in their in their discography because of how like in your face uh Kirk Hammett's guitar playing is um and I think it'll give a good a good contrast into um kind of what what their next evolution was when they went to Ride the Lightning okay so just real quick we're going to play this song um because I I just love the guitar solo uh and, and that's the thing it, it's right out the gate with the guitar solo so that's awesome. All right, this song is called No Remorse. Is your face melted off yet? I'm picking up my lips from the floor. <laughs> All right. So I just wanted to play that clip real quick because it's one of my favorite little intros. And I think what I always associate with Kill 'em All is just how like relentless it was. You know what I mean? Like right up, like the guitars are like piercing, you know? It's almost like you're getting fucking stabbed over and over again. It's almost like they're trying to shove metal right up your ass. Yes, pretty much, dude. <laughs> you're bending over and it's gone right up there and you're taking it right up the tailpipe <laughs> exactly so when you get to ride the lightning the songwriting the the song structures and like the arrangements kind of like Lars was saying got a little bit more sophisticated with this next yeah, record and he talks about like kind of switching up tempos throughout a song and just trying to steer steer clear from all the like stereotypes or exactly well, i don't think he said stereotypes no, he said cliches whatever, you know. he kept saying cliches cliches there yeah we go. so and what's funny to me you know and this is a tangent but having come off the episode where we talked about chemists and how they were almost embracing those cliches chemists is trying to to recapture some of that and sort of repackage it, you know, and like make it their own versus Metallica when they were coming out with 
thrash metal and whatnot, you know, metal prior to, to the early eighties and stuff, you know, was kind of, and what it became throughout the eighties too, with all the hair metal stuff was kind of like, eh, you know, and they famously like would, were kind of like rally against the hair metal bands and how cliche it was, you know, and all the, 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 the makeup and the, and the outfits and stuff, you know, this was kind of the, the anti that, you know, is Metallica or are they the first, like the prototype thrash metal band? They were definitely on the forefront of it and helped like define it. But because they're so, they were so innovative and would constantly innovate and never wanted to repeat themselves. Every album, they sort of, you know, it's, it builds on the last one, you know, but they're always changing. Like their first, you know, I was, you know, I've talked about this before, but like their first four records is like primo Metallica, you know, and Master of Puppets was like considered one of the best metal albums of all time. You know, that was their third record. But every, it seems like with Metallica fans, even, even at the second record with Ride the Lightning, some of their hardcore fans were like disappointed at, at them because of, you know, they go from Kill Em All, which was like an unapologetic thrash metal, like in your face metal album. And then on Ride the Lightning, on Fade to Black, you know, fourth track on the album, they have this, it's, it's almost like a ballad, like an acoustic, it starts with acoustic guitars. It's more like slow and like ballad-like. And their fans were like, what are you guys doing? You know? So then they just continued to be disappointed. Then, like, if you're, if you're saying they're continuing, continuing to evolve every episode, <laughs> episode, dude, why do we mix up the words album and episode all the time? That's a great question. <laughs> yeah, but that's the thing. Like, you can't please everybody, obviously. But I'm saying what I'm talking about is like, by the time you get to Justice for All, and they put out the music video for one, um, that famously was the moment where the diehard. Metallica fans were like, boo, you sold out, you know? Really? Because they, that's such a good song. But it's because Metallica had for years been saying, oh, we're not going to put out a video. You know, that's the easy thing to do. Oh. And then they, then they did it, but whatever. Um, anyway, so you got a little taste there of the thrash metal that was on Kill Em All with that one clip, but let's get right into Ray the Lightning here. And we're going to do the first track. It's called Fight Fire with Fire. what's your first impression uh i i'm into it dude that's that's some speed metal 
I'll, I'll give him that. <laughs> yeah, I mean that that's a classic thrash riff right there. Um, just that 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 level of uh, or that that speed. Um, but what did you think of the acoustic sort of intro there? It was very pretty, right, and almost classical and, sounding, right? Yeah, it was yeah, yeah, and you know. We're not going to get into the what seems like global hatred of Lars for for some reason. He's a good drummer, dude. Like he's a solid drummer. I mean, you know, I'm not a drummer, so I don't know what it is about his drumming that that people love to hate. You know, but I mean, maybe you can shed some. I mean, is it because he relies on the double bass so much? I honestly, I don't know because I'm not that kind of drummer. Um. You know, but I don't know. Like you're more in the metal scene, I guess, Dude, than I'm not I am. In the like, scene. I'm just, a, what ex- I'm just a fan from the outside. You know. Well, but have you actually read what it is that people love to hate about Lars? I feel like I've heard. Dude, uh, this is random right here, dude. But I just read. I'm reading the Wikipedia page. And I've just read a sentence that popped out at me because of the name in the sentence here. It says, music journalist Martin Popoff observed that Ride the what? Lightning offered sophistication and brutality in equal measure. And it oh was seen as something new at the time of its release. Wow, dude. Who knew hey that now. we were amongst fucking <laughs> music journalism Royalty. People that are worthy of being quoted on Wikipedia. Holy shit. So anyway, there's another shout out to Martin. So what's interesting about that acoustic riff, or at least to me, is that it actually came from Cliff, the bass player. James Hetfield said in an interview that they did that Cliff used to play that that riff like all the time. And then it just made its way onto the album. So I just think that's cool. So um, Cliff is actually he, he deserves a lot of credit for the sound that Metallica started to develop um this early on, you know, in their career because he was sort of more uh, classically trained, I guess, and he sort of introduced like his like he brought his knowledge of music theory to the band and like sort of taught them like hey, here's like how to structure songs in a more like classical way you know wow. and that shows up in a big big way at the end of this record uh with call of cthulhu which is we're, we're going to play that uh, a little bit later so anyway um as everyone knows actually you know what? we have another clip we have another clip from fight fire with fire um because this is you're going to hear the guitar solo in this clip and this is one of my favorite guitar solos on the record um because it's got these two very distinct parts and it's got some dual guitar playing, which is kind of a, a, a nod back to our chemist episode where, um, you know, I was gushing over the way that those two guys uh, would, would, would do uh, dual guitar solos. So maybe it's a nod back to Metallica, you know? So anyway, let's play the second clip. Um, this is the, uh, the solo for fight fire with fire. Thank you. 
dual guitar is just so satisfying. I know, dude. It's um, <laughs> there's just something about about the uh, like the the sonic sonic harmonies, you know. And I love how you know there's that stretch where it's just Lars and his double bass, you know, and then like the main thrash riff comes back in. I love the way they do that because it's like it's almost like the 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 guitar is sort of like kind of like running into it, like sort of catching up and running into it. Do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Are you just saying? No. Are you just saying? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, dude. Yeah. Anyway. Uh, all right. Let's get to the next track. And I know that I'm, I'm breaking like the golden cardinal rule of like of no filler, but for whom the bell tolls is one of my favorite Metallica songs. And it's, I mean, I can't, I can't not play it. I'm going to be disappointed if I don't get to talk about this song. So um, we're going to do it. And you know, it was, it was a promotional single too, by the way. So I don't know, maybe that doesn't count. Oh, you know, kind of getting, okay. Kind of, you know, skirting the rules here a little bit, but um, I think, and I'm, I also want to play the song and talk about it with you because I think this is a good, this song is a good example of um, metal when it's done right. Or at least in my opinion, like this is the type of, of song metal song that, that, that I love. And it's a great example of how Metallica has always been such good, like storytellers with their songs. So anyway, um, for whom the bell tolls, if you're a fan of Metallica, this is the song you've, this is probably, you know, the song is, is not new to you by any stretch of the imagination. You know what I mean? It's one of their classic songs. It's one of their most iconic songs. Um, but anyway, we're going to talk. About I'm not it. even a metal fan and I know a good chunk of the lyrics in this song. Yeah. I mean, it's been used in, in, you know, movies and stuff. Like if you've ever seen the movie Zombieland, mm-hmm. there was a really kick-ass, um, like sort of montage in the beginning of like slow motion, like zombies and shit running through the streets to this song. And yeah. it, was, it was fucking yeah. the most fucking metal thing that's ever happened in movies, dude. I mean, that's not true. All right. So let's, let's, uh, let's hear it. I've got two, got two clips. Uh, let's just get right into it. All right, so that was the mainly just the intro that I wanted to play. Um, and what I love about it is it's 
two minutes before he starts saying anything, you know? And it does such a great job of like setting the tone and the mood, especially with the bells, like right off the gate, you know? Yeah. The bells tolling. (laughs) Yeah. The tolling bells. Uh, So is that something that just wasn't happening in metal, you know, like two minute, instrumental intros before starting a song is that like were they one of the first ones to do that no um i mean if you think about back to if we go back to the origin if you will to the to black sabbath the title track to their first album it was a similar kind of thing and it even had bells in it in the intro but um like you know what made it metallica being sort of um i don't want to say innovative but like changing and, and and evolving their sound is it's you know in contrast to the thrashy kill them all stuff it's a risk on their part you know to do something like this i mean i would say that this is still one of the, like one of the heaviest songs in their catalog not on like speed or like necessarily like the tone but just the like the the lyrics and stuff the subject matter the, and the imagery the, yeah the atmosphere that they're that they're painting here you know i'm sure you mentioned this earlier but uh how many years in between ride the lightning and kill the moonlight (laughs) (laughs) was that an actual slip right there yes it was Uh, i didn't do that on purpose Um, how many years it might not have even been a full year i mean kill them all came out in 83 ride the lightning in 84 as far as when the songs were written and stuff it's probably all sort of in the same like general span of that of that year you know wow so and you and you said that that cliff you feel like had a lot to do with with the change in their approach to writing songs yeah absolutely because what was he was he in the kill em all sessions yes yeah yeah he was the bass player okay. up until he died in the in the bus wreck the tour bus wreck yeah. also i have to set the record straight which is something we haven't done in a while although there's plenty of times probably where we should have done it and we didn't realize it. Oh yeah. But um I said that that this was uh Cliff's last record. It's not true. He was on Master of Puppets as well. So I was uh, I fucked up. That's all right, dude. Hey, you're setting the record straight and it's fine. Setting the record straight. Setting the record straight. So anyway, because of Cliff's background and knowledge of music theory and stuff, he deserves a lot of credit for the Metallica sound, you know. Um, so anyway, uh, we're going to keep listening to the song because we didn't really hear any verse or chorus. Uh, so let's pick it up again here where we left off. Um, and again, this is for whom the bell tolls.
And that's kind of how it, fa- it it fades out, and that's the rest of the song. So um, there's a part with the lyrics there um, in the second, I guess it's the second verse. He says, take a look to the sky just before you die. It's the last time he will. And then usually in, in the performances, like they shut the lights off in the arena, you know? And it's just really like, it's just, I don't know. It's fucking awesome. That's all I have to say about that. But anyway, I love You've the seen lyrics. Them live. I've seen them live once. Um, it was, you know, maybe a decade ago. Um, you know, it's just Didn't one of those you go things. with Spencer? Yeah, we actually drove to Arkansas to see Dude, it. that was 10 years ago? Probably. Whew. Maybe more than that. But anyway. Um, Where does the time go? It it marches on, Q. Oh. Wow. Uh, anyway, uh, I just love the lyrics, man. I think James is always... Uh, his, ta- his lyrics are what have, have sort of attracted me to Metallica. In, in a lot of ways, he's a good songwriter. He, he, good storyteller. Yeah, he's a good he's a good storyteller. Like I was saying, and, and it's worth mentioning. It's not James. It's not just James who writes the lyrics. It's, a lot of times, it's James and and Lars are the ones who who come up with with the lyrics and like the okay. The main I didn't know that about Lars. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, Lars and James have been, you know, they're they're the two founding mem- members of the band, and they've been there since the beginning. You know. Anyway. Uh. So this song was kind of uh, the first, one of the first Metallica songs to talk about um, and like sort of the anti-war commentary. Um, and that's obviously when you get to Master of Puppets, almost the entire album is about like anti-war. You know, you got that song, Disposable Heroes. Does one show up on Master of Puppets or am I still wrong? No, man. How many times I got to tell you? God. That's on and Justice for All. I'm sorry, um, but that's about a soldier, right? Yes, yes, that's what I'm saying. It's a theme that 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 they write about throughout, you know. But this was one of the first songs where they wrote about that. Um, and uh, notice that there was no guitar solo in the song. The drums were super simple, right? Very. Simple. I liked how he, um, you know, the. I kind of like how Lars just does a, a a drum fill that just goes right along with the with what the guitar is doing and maybe that's what people give him shit for because that's kind of an easy way out but i thought it was impactful it goes along with the song though like there's aside from you know like like i was saying uh, there's no guitar solo the drums are really simple there's even a quote here i'm reading an article where they talk about each song on this record and lars says we often use for whom the bell tolls as a reference point for chasing simplicity so, mm. it, you know, they were very like purposeful about that. And I think, again, it's like, that's, that's what made probably some of their fans like jump off and not, not really hang on, you know, is because if you came to the next Metallica record coming off of Kill 'Em All, expecting more of the same, like you're, you're going to be disappointed. But if you're, you know, maybe I would I could say like a more true fan, like you probably appreciated and respected them even more because of the risks that they would take and the changes that they would make, you know. I mean, you and I talk about this all the time with bands. It's like all the time. Man, they really they really changed after this record and I'm not a fan of it anymore. You know? So what happened? Yeah. Well, they're constantly evolving as a group. Uh, yeah. I I I am more okay with it now. As long as it's not a situation where they clearly "Quote unquote sold out." Yeah, where they're changing, and it seems like they're changing, not necessarily because to appease the record of, label or something like that. I'm yeah. not. I, I can't get into that. Of course, obviously, right. But yeah, you know, I, I I can appreciate a band evolving in their sound, and it would be weird if they didn't. Right. I mean, as um, as Metallica kind of always talked about, like in these early interviews and stuff, they just were doing what what they wanted to do you know what i mean like they were trying not to follow any cliches and they if they wanted to experiment and like do something crazy like they would they would do it so they always kind of followed themselves as far as like what they wanted to do like they would do it and like it's why they are one of the best metal bands of all time you know because of those risks that they would take and whatnot all right so we got one more song here to play from this record 
and it is their first instrumental song to show up um, on a record. And of course it's, you know, due, due in part to, if not entirely to Cliff Burton and the way that he sort of wanted to introduce more complex song structures and stuff to their songwriting. All right. So this song is called the call of Cthulhu. Yeah, so um, what's like I say, what's kind of important about this song is that it's you know really the um, the first song that where they they took this concept of like hey let's you know let's make a, a really complex arrangement you know but through the Metallica lens right um, and it was again like another another hat tip to to Mr. Burton. Um, he like both him and Kirk, Kirk Hammond is, is famously, um, uh, known as being like a, like a horror, uh, fan and enthusiast. And, um, I think, uh, Burton was, was also sort of, um, uh, a fan of that, of that genre. So he was reading a lot of HP Lovecraft at the time and the Cthulhu Cthul- or Cthulhu character, shows up in that short story uh, in in the book The Shadow Over Innsmouth. And uh, Burton introduced the rest of the band to that story. And so they took the idea of like, you know, Cthulhu, this, this you know, god or whatever, this alien 
creature um, and just sort of ran with, with that idea. And they changed the spelling of Cthulhu to Cthulhu, K-T-U-L-U, for easier pronunciation. At least that's what it says. Or they just, they didn't know how to fucking spell it, you know. And they just cover their tracks. We're like, oh yeah, we just, you know, we did that on purpose. All right, so before we play uh, the next clip from Call of Cthulhu, let's, let's take a let's take a quick break. And we're back. All right, let's play the next clip here. Uh, again, this is Call of Cthulhu. So there you go. Pretty sweet guitar solo right there, right? It was good. I uh, I don't listen to a lot of music with the guitar solo, so I don't know what's good and what's not, dude. I mean, it's not a bad guitar solo. I'll tell you that right now. <laughs> yeah, that's good. You know what I liked about I, I It seemed like throughout the entirety of the buildup, like you were saying, it was building up. It seemed like there were like just little guitar riff solo type stuff just kind of going on in the background all the way up to this like legit solo. Sure. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, the guitar <laughs> solo is definitely the uh, the climax, right? Um, yeah. So here's something that I like to do, Q. And maybe this is corny and stupid, but we've heard in episodes past that you like to and sometimes imagine some goofy shit when you're listening to music. Remember that discussion about Tosca? We did our Tosca oh, episode yeah, the, back in the day. The lady with, with the bubble bath. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, dude. What do you think of with when you hear Well, Cthulhu? you have to, I mean, it's you got to think about what this song is doing, right? It's called The Call of Cthulhu or Cthulhu, right? Also, interestingly enough, I was reading some more about this while that second clip was playing. Some people theorize that the reason that they changed the name uh, or they changed the spelling of Cthulhu is because according to the story, mentioning Cthulhu by name 
or writing his name mm-hmm. will summon him. That's like saying Bloody Mary three times. Yeah. So maybe they were trying to help out their fans and themselves by changing the spelling. Um, That's really thoughtful of them. Yeah, wasn't it? So this song, um, anyway, like I was trying to say, like, you got to think about it, like, it starts kind of s- slower, right? And it's got this buildup. Like they are, you're summoning Cthulhu or, you know, Cthulhu is, you know, emerging out of, you know, wherever the fuck he comes from, right? Yeah, the depths of the ocean or something. Whatever I don't know is, anything yeah, about that sure. that creature. Yeah, me neither. Anyway, you know, you got to think of it that way. Like it's, you're building up to this like kind of crescendo and then, He's, you know, he has appeared, you know? Yeah, I can see that, dude. I can see, like, choppy, stormy waters and Cthulhu just emerging from the depths. Right, yeah. And, like, this thing, like, they've they've done stuff like that kind of throughout, right? Like, if you go on later to Master of Puppets and listen to a song called The Thing That Should Not Be, which is also inspired by the same story... And written by Cliff Burton, I've always interpreted the guitar solo as this thing that should not be because it sounds the solo itself sounds like this like really like almost like it sounds monster like. And if you go back to to Kill 'Em All and listen to the Four Horsemen, their guitar uh, like the cadence in their guitar playing, the the stroke of the of the guitar. Uh, pick whatever the fuck you want to call it. Sounds like galloping horses, you know what I mean? So like they, that's kind of what, what they, what they're doing, you know. Anyway, uh, another quick fact about this song: um, it showed up originally on a four-song demo for "Ride the Lightning" under a different name. Uh, it was originally called "When Hell Freezes Over." I'm kind of glad that they changed the name to Call of Cthulhu because I think that's a cooler name. But one of the reasons uh, that they changed it is because they sort of were realizing that like a lot of metal bands like to throw the word hell or Satan into their song titles. And because they wanted to avoid cliches, they didn't want to have a a song on their record with the word hell in it. So anyway, all right, that's that, man. Um, I want to circle back and do Injustice for All at some point because that's my favorite Metallica album and I want to I want to pay it proper justice, you know? <laughs> you see what I did there? Um, oh, I see what you did now. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, so we'll do that later. I don't know when we're going to do it because after next week's sidetrack, our metal month is officially over. So we're going to switch it up and man, if you don't like metal... Um, you haven't, you haven't been listening probably to, to any of our last few episodes, you know, so hopefully we'll, we'll bring back the, uh, the non-metal fans. Uh, maybe we'll give them some stuff to listen to here in a little bit. In yeah, a couple we should weeks. do like, we, we should almost pull a 180 if we can. Yeah. Well, I mean, we, we can let, let's, yeah, let's, let's do something a little bit, a little bit lighter for the month of November. Yeah. Yeah, we will. All right. Um, that's that. Um, like I said, our metal month here is coming to an end, but next week I've got a band, uh, sort of another thrash metal band that, that we're going to talk about that, um, I've always loved this record. Um, it's a band called prong. Q, have you heard about prong before? Never heard prong. Okay. Well, this is a fun record, man. I love it. All right. Let's do our, what you heards. Cause we did not get a chance to do those last week. And man, I've got a doozy for us this week, dude. But I'll let you go first. What you what you heard lately? I heard this on the radio. Don't even have to mention the name of the station anymore. Uh, so I don't know if maybe I've just been like more into to like more poppy stuff just because I've been getting buried in metal this last <laughs> month. Yeah. Uh, but I heard this song by an artist named Hatchy. Uh, that's what she goes by. Her name's Harriet Pillbeam. She's a singer-songwriter from Australia. Harriet Pillbeam? Uh, Harriet Pillbeam. Okay. Yeah. Um, and, like, so I actually listened to a, to a good chunk of, the, of this album, or, uh, this of this album of hers that came out just this past June. It's called Keepsake, and it's just a straight-up pop album. I mean, like, 
that's just what it is. You know, it's just easy listening, radio friendly for the most part. You know, it's just a pop album. Um, but the song that I heard on KEXP just kind of stuck with me. Um, she does mention My Bloody Valentine, uh, Susie Sue, um, shit, some other. My Bloody Valentine. Are we about to hear some more shoegaze, Q? No, well, no, I, I think it's more influence than anything. You'll hear it a little bit okay. with uh, a, a guitar line that pops up in, in this clip that I'm going to play. All right. Um, but no, she she's classified as dream pop, which, like we had said in the past, dream pop and shoegaze can be kind of synonymous. But she's way more poppy than that. Um, anyways, really good song. It's been kind of popping in my head ever since I heard it last week. Uh, so this is a song from Hatchie's uh, debut studio album that came out earlier this year. The album is called Keepsake, and this song is called Obsessed. I love that stuff, man. There's something like 90s about it. Uh, she mentions the like the cranberries as an influence. As yeah, well. definitely. Yeah, yeah, dude, that's that's just one of those songs, man. Like I heard it and I was like, oh, shit, I'm into this, man. <laughs> this, it's just a, it's just a feel good song. Yeah, yeah. So the, is the whole record like that? Uh, yeah, like I said, it's like don't go into this album expecting anything more than just a you know polished good it's just a pop album you know like it the really catchy catchy hooks i definitely agree with the 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 the, the dream pop label i think her voice kind of has that vibe yeah it's good it's good stuff um okay so i went and saw um dive last week and this was a band that we had actually i had brought the single one of the singles uh, as my sidetrack a couple weeks back off of their record Deceiver, their new record Deceiver, um, and you know, it's a great album, great album, dude. right? I, I've listened to it a few times yeah. now since it came out. It's a solid record, um, yeah. But I'm bringing something else to the table. The reason I mentioned Dive is because the band that I saw open for them led me down a path. Um, and, uh, you know, this is probably not news to anybody who is following indie bands right now, but I feel like, or I'm hopeful that this trend continues. It seems to me like grunge might be 
having a revival right now. So this band that opened for them, and the funny thing is like, this is confusing as fuck because the band that opened for them is also not my sidetrack, but they were, (laughs) they're called chastity. You said sidetrack. You meant what you heard. Yeah. They're not my, what you heard, but, um, this band is called chastity and they had a song at the end that was like, and the funny thing is my wife and I showed up as they were playing their last song. Um, I'm not ashamed to admit that I'm at the stage where a lot of times I show up late to concerts now just to see the headliner because oh, dude, I, I still, I, I got to catch the openers, man. Well, you never know what you're going to, I know. And I'm glad that I, that we showed up to catch this last, I mean, you're proving me saying this is proving that yeah, I'm, that I'm stupid you, you for doing up. this, but yeah. you know, it was a weeknight and like, we don't have, I'm getting to the to the age that I don't have the the energy to stand up for three hours. Ooh, dude. Hmm. Depends on the venue, dude. <laughs> but what I'm saying is like, you know, we're the same age, right? I know that. But I'm saying after a day's work, you know, uh, yeah, whatever. Hey, yeah. you know what, man? I'm not I ashamed. know, dude. Not I know. And plus, you know, my wife's with me, and she also, you know, I got to think about her too. You know. Anyway. This band Chastity, Chastity, they looked like they were from the '90s as far as their dress, and that's another thing. Like that's, I think that's pretty obvious. If you walk through like Target or the mall, '90s and and especially the grunge aesthetic is coming back, and as far as fashion is concerned, sure, dude. Try try living up here, man. It never left. Yeah, well, there you go. Um, anyway, it sounded straight up like a, as far as the riff, the bass. It was Nirvana, big time. Okay. And the record, I mean, the the singer, uh, he's not so much, he, he has his own kind of approach to the way he sings. He's he's bringing in some some other sprinkling and some other influences and stuff. But anyway, I was like, man, this is, this is sweet, man. Like, I, I'm all about this shit. I want Grunge to come back. You know what I mean? So I went and I sort of looked into them a little bit and I found this other band um, on Spotify called Narrow Head. And they're actually from Houston. And they're super young. This album came out in 2016, so it's a few years old. But man, they've got they've got it. The 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 grunge sound is back, at least on this record. And it's making me hopeful that this is a trend. All right, so enough hype, enough talk. Yeah, let's hear it, man. This song is called Feels Like Sand. And I fucking love this song. It's it's fucking great. So let's hear it. This again, this is Feels Like Sand by Narrow Head.
damn, dude. Damn. Yeah, I'm into that. It's, yeah, the whole record is like that. Ooh, man, that's good. It's great. Um, I like their harmonizing. Yeah. Um, and it, that's that's some heavy shit, dude. It is. I mean, it's the heavier side of grunge. But it's, yeah. it, it, what I like about that's, it is... Man, that's good. Yeah. Again, dude, like when I heard this this record, I was like, let's fucking do it, this man. Let's bring back grunge. <laughs> yeah. I love the album cover, too. All right. So here's something else I wanted to point out. I'm glad you mentioned that. Type in right now into Spotify, Siamese Dream, because it's the record cover for... You see that? You see the color palette? The color palette. That's yeah, not a dude. fucking coincidence. So if you pull that up side by side, like it's literally the same colors. It's the same colors, but 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 they throw in some blue. With the exception of the teal, blue. but I mean, I... Yeah. I can't... Yeah, you're right. There's no way that that's not on purpose. So um, yeah. Siamese Dream has, you know, by Smashing Pumpkins did like a re-release of the record and like they sort of did this like duo tone thing on the photo of the two girls and it's got this orange background and it's literally the same color palette with it, the exception right. of the green. It's, it's, it's the same orange and, and purple. Yeah, yeah. So again, yeah. it's like, you know, they're not even hiding it, right? Anyway, so um, I kind of gave away my... That's great, man. Yeah, listen to that record. It's called Satisfaction. And for me, like, it's probably going to be pretty pretty easy for me to catch a live show because they're from Texas. So first chance I get, I'm going to go see these guys. Um, cool, dude. I would love to hear some of that. But yeah, dude, I'm, I'm fucking all about this, dude. I want this to happen in a big, bad way. All right, so next week, like I said, um, our very last metal episode, probably for a good while, is going to be a thrash metal band called prong. Um, and I think it's going to be a good way to, to wrap up the the metal month with a nice little bow. And, and then, uh, in November, uh, do we want to spill beans Q or do we want to, and we're not, no, nah, nah, let's not spill beans yet. Dude. All right. All right. Well, like you said, it's going to be a shift, a, a dramatic shift from metal because you know, even at this point I'm fucking tired of metal, dude. <laughs> I'm just kidding. That's not true. But it'll be nice. It'll be nice to to change it up uh, after after a month of of metal. So I'm excited. All right. Uh, so that's that. Check out pantheonpodcast.com where you can find a link to our website, and you can find a ton of other great music podcast content. And uh, that's that. We'll be back next week for our final metal episode for the month of October. Actually, technically it'll be November by then, which is nuts. But, um, yeah, where the hell does time go, dude? It marches on. <laughs> it marches on to the bell. Exactly. That tolls. Metallica was right. It, it marches on. All right. Um, that'll do it. My name is Travis. And I'm Quentin. I'll see y'all later. <laughs> It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. 
FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points. 